people who might not necessarily get involved in other environmental issues, they care about their parks. So this, this issue is something that uh, cut across all divides, urban, rural, socioeconomic, political. It raised awareness really quickly. It also, it was very much a community building. Walking through your neighborhood and, and seeing all of these signs uh, you might not know those neighbors, but you immediately were feeling like you have something in common with them. That's Keisha Kerr, Executive Director of the Canadian Parks and Wilderness Society, Northern Alberta Chapter, or CEPAWS for short. And today we're talking all about public engagement and how public engagement can influence solutions to problems that affect people's lives. I'm Colleen Nook. And I'm Gregory Caswell. And this is What on Earth Can We Do? So Colleen, as a fellow Albertan, you're probably very familiar with the lawn sign campaign that kind of started all lawn sign campaigns in our province, or at least, or at least that's how it feels. Um, up to this point, I think that I had only ever seen a lawn sign around election time, if it uh, people on their front lines promoting their favorite candidate. But something interesting happened in our province when Defend Alberta Parks came out, and suddenly these signs were everywhere. And correct me if I'm wrong, you're actually a happy owner of a Defend Alberta Parks sign. I am. And I'm I'm actually a person who doesn't get super outwardly political. Like I, I don't, I very rarely would ever have something on my front lawn. But this particular campaign just struck a chord with me and everybody around me had this, this lawn sign. And it's like, I had to have one. And it, so, so it just made it so interesting that a, a campaign like that reached even someone like me who doesn't usually get, it doesn't usually engage with, with things like this. Well, and Colleen, I, I've known you for a while, but we've never really talked about it. Are you an outdoorsy person? Like, what, what was your connection to this campaign? Um, I think my connection to this campaign was mostly, like, the future of these parks. I'm going to admit I'm not crazy outdoorsy, but I want to give an opportunity for my kids to be able to be outdoorsy and enjoy these parks. So I feel like this was a campaign that hit everyone in Alberta in some way, shape or form. Now, I'm, I know this is going to be very surprising to you, but I am not an outdoorsy person either. <laughs> <laughs> I actually would say that camping is my least, I can't even say it's my least favorite thing because I can't even say that I've done it enough to establish that sort of relationship with it. Surprise! <laughs> but there is something about this campaign that as soon as I saw Defend Alberta Parks, I knew exactly what it meant and I said, yes, that. And I didn't, I didn't even really know until the Emerald Awards that CPAWS was behind it or what it meant, but something, you're right, something uh, triggered me deep inside to say, yeah, defend those parks. Well, today we're chatting with CPAWS, the Canadian Parks and Wilderness Society, and the Alberta Environmental Network about this particular campaign and how it became so wildly successful. And because of this success, Defend Alberta Parks took home an award in the Public Engagement and Outreach category at the 30th Annual Emerald Awards. 
CPAWS is a, a nonprofit organization with chapters across the country. So we have 13 chapters and a national office in Ottawa. And we work to advocate for new protected areas and good management of our current protected areas. And we also do a lot of work on public lands and species at risk. So basically, the lands that are, that are all of ours, uh, are, those are the lands that we work on. So Defend Alberta Parks started in response to uh, the government announcing that they were going to be delisting or closing 175 parks and provincial recreation areas across the province. And uh, the response to that was basically, obviously that is exactly the type of stuff that CPAWS works on. And so we immediately were digging into that and trying to get more information um, so it wasn't a true announcement and it wasn't a lot of information out there. So we're trying to figure out what it meant. Okay, so for those of you out there who, like myself, do not completely understand the political jargon around this, what did it actually mean? Well, the province was looking to delist some provincial parks, which means that these parks would lose their protective status and could be potentially sold to private owners. And an additional problem was that the language around the changes, or the political jargon, to these provincial parks was actually really confusing. So, CPAWS and the Alberta Environmental Network set out to make sense of these changes so that the public, like myself, understood what was actually at stake. We have just under 500 parks in Alberta, provincial parks. That's Natalie Odd, Executive Director of the Alberta Environmental Network. We were looking at losing 175 of those, that's almost 40%. Albertans use parks every single day. So this one was very simple and straightforward in a lot of ways, that we need these parks, we want these parks, we value these parks, and Albertans first needed to know that this was happening, because. We're all busy, we can't always keep up with everything. So we had to first establish that everyone should know that this is happening and then what they can do about it to join with everybody else to stop the parks from closing. And this is where Defend Alberta Parks was born, a public engagement campaign aimed to save those 175 provincial parks from being removed from the Alberta park system. So we were really leveraging the excellent slogan, Defend Alberta Parks, which was so clear and straightforward and people knew immediately what the campaign meant when they heard that. So then the careful design of the, the lawn sign and then what we did afterwards was um, a, a flyer that we were taking door to door and eight and a half by 11, you know, um, and we had a certain amount of real estate on this sheet to convey what the campaign was about and what we were asking of our fellow Albertans. A lot of thought went into that as well because um, there is an arc uh, in environmental psychology that moves people uh, from will to action. And there's a lot of steps people need to go through and, and first they need to know about the issue, but as we know, that's not enough. Uh, people have to actually form an opinion, they have to care, they have to want to do something about it and then I feel they have the wherewithal to take the action that you're proposing. And initially, we, there were many things we wanted to ask people to do, but we then derived that down to three main things that we would ask people to do. And we wanted them to know what was happening, and then 
order a lawn sign if they felt compelled to do so, and also write a letter to their representative. And that was really, really key. We made it as easy as possible to send the letter to their representative. And many, many people did that. We felt that people, once they knew, and once we came to them personally at their homes, would understand the gravity of the situation. And so the Law and Sign campaign was a ground campaign, and it meant going door to door speaking to people. So a lot of these strategies are uh, strategies you see in political campaigns because they do work in engaging people. And I will say, they're effective if you have the right campaign and purpose. They are a tremendous amount of work, and they require a lot of people taking part. Yeah, I don't think any of us expected it, expected the campaign to become as big as it did. Um, but looking back, you know, it's kind of hindsight 2020, the, the scale of, of that change, the scale of the, the delisting and closure is unprecedented in Canada. It's never happened anywhere. People really were responding to the fact of how big it was, for sure. But uh, it also, yeah, it, it, it did just snowball over time. So as I was mentioning before, we, we had these public events before the lawn sign campaign happened and, and they'd be fully registered, would be like sold out. Um, and so we knew that there was interest for sure. And then it really, once signs started going out, uh, it, it did snowball and people really wanted to get involved. and. They'd see them more and more in their neighborhood and check out, you know, make sure that they could they could be involved too. And um, we were very, very busy getting signs out for months. <laughs> so we had um, almost 2,000 volunteers sign up, and these were very keen volunteers that when I called upon them were willing to go out and go door to door. So not just a little bit of work here or there, but were extremely dedicated, covered, these, these volunteers covered large areas, entire communities, thousands of homes. They were relentless. They were so driven for this campaign. So Gregory, I have never seen a campaign like this explode the way Defend Alberta Parks did. Oh yeah, no way. If you are listening from outside of Alberta, it was almost like a viral social media campaign. And I know that there was a social media aspect to it, but just to all of a sudden visually and physically see the amount of support um, and the amount of physical posts on people's actual property that they were joining this movement and supporting it, the visual element, I thought it was, you know, we're Edmonton-based. I saw it around my neighborhood. I saw it around your neighborhood, Colleen, including on, on your lawn. But... I think it really hit home for me when I went to other cities and saw the sign on people's lawns. Exactly. And what was so interesting is it it was in all different types of neighborhoods and different types of houses. Like this is definitely something that transcended across multiple different types of individuals who at the end of the day want to protect these parks. Um, and what's really cool is it wasn't just signs too. Um, I remember seeing bumper stickers, um, where it said, don't go break in my parks, which was like very ah. cute and clever. Um, I, I ended up putting a sticker on my laptop. Like it, it, this, this was everywhere. Um, wildly successful. And, it, and what's interesting about it is that it also kind of started 
other lawn sign movements. I I feel like I coined this. I don't know if I necessarily did, but I'm going to state claim for it for this podcast purpose. But it created lawn sign activism, where it started with Defend Alberta Parks, but then it moved to education, to water, that anything is suddenly on people's lawns and people are open to expressing their political stance on something and, you know, strength in numbers because it worked. Oh, the outcome was great. I mean, we were so excited that on, it was actually on my birthday, on December 22nd, the the government, they always, there's always an announcement just before the holidays. And this one was one that we were excited to be working on a press release for. Uh, uh, yeah, they, they announced that they weren't going forward on the plan. Um, they were gonna focus on trying to find partnerships for, for these parks and, um, yeah, it was a, a huge victory for, for Albertans. Defend Alberta Parks was not the first environmental campaign that used lawn signs. The difference with our campaign with Defend Alberta Parks was that this was a full ground campaign in that we were covering the area by going door to door, putting into people's hands information about the campaign, what it was, why we were doing it, and what they could do, how they could engage and take action. We made it really clear and really simple. We also had a website for people to go to where they could write a letter that we had written for them that would go to their elected representatives. So we made it very simple for people to use. So the communications aspect of it was extremely critical from the design of the lawn sign, the information on the website, the letter writing tool on the website, and critically, organizing and mobilizing volunteers to take the information sheet door to door and go to hundreds of thousands of homes with that information. That really drove the, uh, the lawn sign orders. But it also, um, it also gave people the information they needed to feel really confident about putting out the lawn sign, to know what the lawn sign meant and what they were stating when they put it on their lawn. And that, that gave people confidence speaking to their neighbors about what was happening. And I believe that's what drove the proliferation of the lawn signs, was people walk out for their evening walk, would stop and look at it, be able to go to the, easily to the website, or speak to the person on their doorstep. And neighbors were speaking to one another about this, and it generated a lot of discussion. And that is just a fantastic outcome of this campaign, is that people were talking to each other about it. I specifically remember when I heard about the reversal of the park's decision um, through the provincial uh, government, and it was such a uh, amazing day. Like I felt very personal when I heard that these parks were in fact not going to be delisted anymore. It was a very, very exciting day. So the campaign was a success. So to roll this into what on earth can we do, we wanted to find out some tips and techniques on maybe how we can build a successful public engagement campaign. For anyone who's considering doing a public engagement campaign, um, it doesn't need to be as big as Defend Alberta Parks is. Sometimes you can do a small scale public engagement campaign, but I think all of them have um, common thread which is you need to have a clear objective. What clearly is the issue that you're dealing with? 
Can you clearly communicate it? Maybe, maybe the issue needs to be broken down into smaller pieces to make it really clearly understandable. Because what you need to be able to do is convey what the issue is so that people can form an opinion, feel urgency, care about it. So it, it needs to really be clear to people what you're trying to do. And as well, um, there's a framework that I worked with that I really recommend and I'll share with uh, the Emerald Foundation, which is it helps you think through who your audiences are and the strategies that you need to engage because sometimes there's other people who are also working on the same issue but in a very different way and you want to be able to work um, together with those other groups. And finally, I just will um, emphasize the importance of excellent communications and campaign design. That That is such an important building block to have good visual communication, good design. I cannot say enough the importance of the artist who created the design, created the font. People may overlook those aspects of campaigns, but I would recommend not doing that. The visual element, it when it's interesting because you know good, I, I have heard that you know good design when you don't notice the design. And if you're familiar with the sign, it, it is a testament to that. Um, I always laugh about bad design and the use of papyrus, uh, the font. Please don't use that if you're planning a, ca a campaign. Let that be reserved to spas and other... <laughs> I saw it on a building company the other day. Just don't use papyrus, everybody. That's my one tip, but that's what I'll leave everyone with. <laughs> I promise not to use it. You promise not to use it. But to speak to Natalie, the importance of incorporating artists into your campaign because they know how to communicate uh, and engage an audience through visuals, through writing, through performance. Incredibly important. Yeah, so this campaign, I think, has shown Albertans that their voice matters and that if they speak out, change will happen. They, they stopped this decision from going forward. So. It's a huge success and we congratulate all Albertans who got involved. We'll be right back. Leading a sustainable lifestyle can be expensive, but it doesn't have to be with the Emerald Lifestyle Card. For $25, get exclusive discounts at your favorite Albertan sustainable businesses like Purple Carrot Health Foods and Wellness Incorporated, Simplify Sustainable Living, Backyard Birds Nature Shop, and YYC Growers and Distributors. Meanwhile, you'll be supporting the Alberta Emerald Foundation in our environmental good news storytelling efforts, like the What on Earth Can We Do podcast. Get your Emerald Lifestyle Card today at emeraldfoundation.ca. So back in June, shortly following the 30th Annual Emerald Awards, Colleen and I had the pleasure of chatting with the students of Lacombe Composite High School about a, an Emerald Award winning club called EcoVision, which took home the Emerald Award at the 30th Annual Emerald Awards in the education category, which was presented by ABCRC. That was a mouthful. So EcoVision is a program that grows student leaders, and they do this through three pillars, improving the environment, enhancing their education, and collaborating with their community. We wanted to learn a little more about what motivates these students, high school students, to become leaders in their communities. 
And EcoVision is led by a teacher named Stephen Schultz, and they run a ton of different projects from beekeeping to rooftop goats to greenhouses to solar panels. So I wasn't really sure what my like what my passion is or what I wanted to do. That's Harika. And that's when I joined EcoVision because I was really because I really love to help other people and animals, of course, and plants because it also involves plants and um I really enjoyed taking various projects and um, and I really and I enjoyed talking to other people because then I was kind of new and then I was I was kind of shy. I didn't I didn't and then it kind of helped me EcoVision helped me to step out of my comfort zone and then helped me present in like various presentations, conferences and all that. So yeah. If anybody ever asked me, do you like being indoors or outdoors? I would Matter of factly say, I'm an outdoor person. I love hiking, walking, gardening. This is Jasmine. That, like, just reaching out to others is one thing I am very passionate about. Helping others, getting others to understand um, is everything that I think EcoVision is. And it's, I would still, if I was the one of the founders, but I'm not, I would 100% agree with the pillars to enhance, to get the community involved and um, have it in our education and like hands-on stuff that is what really kind of sparked it for me and this is steven seriously ecovision really meant so much more than i ever anticipated in the first place and what inspired me mainly was um the fact that it made me like like it got it gave me an opportunity to uh, use my voice out because these days, it's so hard to have um, teenagers just contribute to helping out the environment. And the thing about EcoVision is that it makes me be like able to do that. And I think that's one of the coolest parts about EcoVision. It gives people like a voice to help out the world. So the thing is, like, it's true because the presentations that we're doing, the conferences that we're doing, we, we are voicing out our opinions to, you know, impact others to do the exact same. Because if we, you know, don't, in, if you don't inspire others, then we won't be able to carry on the knowledge to, we'll be able to carry on the knowledge and then we won't be able to, you know, do more. Because if we don't help out the environment, then our world will not be a better place. So the reason, reason why we're doing EcoVision is because we wanted to do more. We wanted to inspire more and help others who are who are much more passionate to do this. So I do enjoy doing I do enjoy going vision and helping others because I really wanted to make sure I really wanted to inspire others. You know, we were chatting at lunch with not all of you on this call, but a few, most of you, I think, um, about like engagement with other potential, you know, with other students who may not be as passionate as you are about these environmental efforts and what you think you can do to maybe um, increase that engagement, get people involved a little bit more, get people interested, or are you, see are you seeing that happen or is it difficult to get people involved? Um, in all honesty, I think the greatest way to get people involved into EcoVision is to um, just show them what what they can do. It's like people um, 
the reason why people don't really get interested is they really have a hard time believing in themselves like or they like they don't find interest because it's so hard for them to like you know do these types of activities because they might feel stressed or they might feel preoccupied and that's completely understandable and we completely accept that from everyone but at the same time we want people to try and check into it maybe and if it's something they can do that's okay but if it's something they can do then that's really nice to hear because um it's something that people can like use for their future basically ecovision can help people like come over go over like stress like as taylor was saying she had a hard time like talking to big groups of people but ecovision did help her a lot and it's pretty much like the same thing like if you were having like a lot of stress like talking to people then maybe like join a club that will help you get better in that or if you feel passionate about doing something to help out then maybe join a club that can help things out like ecovision and that's like one of the parts with me because truth is if i was not in ecovision and i had the exact same interview with you guys i'd probably not do it because the truth is i am absolutely terrified of talking to people until I went to Ecovision and um, I got better into like talking with people. I made a lot more friends with it. And yeah, Ecovision gives opportunities where you can make friends with others and you meet a lot of like-minded people within it if you get really interested within it. And I've now got a lot of good friends like Taylor, um, Chelsea, definitely not Harika, who cares about her, but <laughs> I'm kidding, okay. <laughs> but you know, it's it's such a great opportunity for other people in general. And I really love that about Ecovision. And I think people who join will feel a lot better about it. And Mr. Schultz is yelling about cilantro, but he's also another great reason to, he's a great reason to join um, Ecovision too. He's such an aerogenic teacher, really kind to other students. And he is, like personally a great motivator for me to become such a better person in the first place. This is Taylor. Um, the reason I'm more confident is because I was kind of pushed, well, not pushed per se, but like more like nudged to do those kinds of things and do tours and stuff um, by Mr. Schultz himself. And it, feel, it feels like kind of relaxing, like doing things like that with people who are like-minded like you. Um, and yeah, I, I definitely think just being able to do things like that with groups of people and like all the ecovision students like chelsea i think i've done a couple tours with you and that's helped me grow more confidence or doing presentations with the others like harika and jasmine and then also sneha who's not here today and presenting for the emerald awards and stuff like that and doing the speech and I, and it's all because i was nudged by one teacher into doing these kinds of things that has helped me grow more confident and i feel like everyone else here was also nudged a little bit into doing things that they, they didn't even expect that they were going to do I loved chatting with both Defend Alberta Parks and the students of EcoVision. Oh, yes. And Colleen, can I just point out that every time that we sit down to chat with the youth, I am so surprised by how, like, how advanced they are. And that's not to put them down. I'm actually putting myself down because I swear when I was in high school, the most I cared about was the Spice Girls. And that dates me a little bit. 
But there, there it is. Where these students, these young people, are so invested and involved and and knowledgeable in ways that I I don't recognize in myself. They just they care, and I think that is like it's just so inspiring to see um, just young people care. It's was really really great. So now back to the theme: What on earth can we do? What was your takeaway for this? Well, Colleen, what on earth can we do? I think, you know, you and I should start a podcast where maybe we sit down with the Emerald Award winners and we have great conversations with them about (laughs) environmental and climate change matters and then determine some actions that we can do to encourage, inspire others to do the same. What do you think? (laughs) Hey, yeah, this is fun that we could probably even like check off the list. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think we've already done this. Um, the podcast, just to follow me, brainstorming, it should be called What on Earth Can We Do? Huh? <laughs> well, I actually have one additional takeaway from this okay, one. Okay, <laughs> okay. Since we're not perfect. <laughs> is what I found with Defend Alberta Parks is that um, if you voice your opinion on something and group together, you can actually make legislative change, which I know happens, but it was just, it was almost as if I needed to see it happen. And it made me feel like writing to my MLA or um, putting a sign out on my lawn that I'm not screaming into the void, if that makes sense, that it Mm -hmm. is actually contributing to positive change. Um, So it's encouraging me to continue down that road of making sure that um, I just don't sit quietly when there are things happening around me that I don't agree with. 100%. And I think a a part of that as well, especially when we're living in, in a time period where it's so easy to respond or click write or post to our social media that taking some real world or IRL actions um, have big impacts as well. I think that, you know, online is definitely, it's proven to be a very important tool in uh, social activism, but um, seeing it in person is definitely more impactful, at least for me. I know that in recent years, I have attended many a rally and um, walked in many a walk, and I never would have thought that that would be part of my life, but it's become a regular occurrence. And I think that, you know, just, you know, it's one of the, the positives, it's one of the privileges that we have um, in living in a country like Canada and a province like Alberta where we are able to express ourselves freely and share our points of view. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And if you want to check out Defend Alberta Parks and um, see what they're up to now that they've um, conquered this first hurdle of saving 175 provincial parks, um, check out their website at defendabparks.ca. And if you're interested in seeing what EcoVision is up to and the rest of our Emerald Award recipients from the 30th Annual Emerald Awards, we are about to launch the Emerald Documentary Series on Jan... 
And if you're wanting to learn more about Ecovision as well as the rest of the 30th Annual Emerald Award recipients, we are about to release the third season of the Emerald Documentary Series. Uh, we are having a premiere on January 22nd, 2022 on our website, emeraldfoundation.ca. And if you want to catch up and find out what other folks have been doing, we have two other seasons of that, plus two other seasons of this podcast, and just created a map of all of the Emerald Award recipients from the past 30 years. So you can see all of the amazing environmental work happening in our province, and maybe some folks from your own community. So make sure to check that out on our website. The What on Earth Can We Do podcast is presented by the Alberta Emerald Foundation and Eco Growth Environmental and features Emerald Award recipients. Nominations for the 31st Annual Emerald Awards open on November 1st, 2021 and close February 11th, 2022. Learn more about our guests' inspiring work through the Emerald Documentary Series, available on our website, emeraldfoundation.ca. And if you enjoyed What on Earth Can We Do, please make sure to subscribe and stay up to date with us on our socials at Alberta Emerald. Need help with your waste management? Eco Growth Environmental Incorporated has your solutions. Learn more at eco-growth.ca. A very special thank you to our sponsors, the Government of Alberta, City of Edmonton, Syncrew Canada Limited, the Edmonton Community Foundation, the Alberta Real Estate Foundation, Yellow Bike Solutions, and Bioenergy Solutions Incorporated. 